Hello once again and welcome to the Calgary Stampeder podcast. The season is over. Time to start looking ahead to 2019 and what the offseason is uh, going to look like to get us there. So I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. And he's Danny Austin from Post Media. Say hi, Danny. What up, what up, what up? <laughs> okay. so Couldn't yeah. have a better guest to wrap up our last real show of the season because we're not going to go weekly after this week, Dave. No. And it's, uh, you know, when, when, when good stories warrant, we'll de- certainly do a Stampeder podcast, but Danny's been a great help all season long, not only on our Stampeder broadcast, but of course here on the we podcast as well. Danny, Danny and, and, and hey, one of the best CFL writers in the Canadian Football League. So there you go for the post media. Okay, well, I think you know we've pretty much you know reflected on a, a season done to death here, guys. Mm. But we're moving ahead. And uh, I, you know, there have been some interesting off seasons, both for the Calgary Stampeders and for the CFL in years past. But I can't think of a year that is just so stuffed with stories for both the team and the league, just in terms of uh, what the future holds and what the future is going to look like. So, I mean, we should probably start close to home here. You know, the biggest story is Bo Levi Mitchell. He's already started his NFL workouts. Uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, heard as many as five workouts uh, out there. And the question is, uh, you know, what's what's going to happen? Is Bo going to find an opportunity that suits him? Is an NFL team going to fall in love with him or is this just going to be a case of as Bo says, and and I applaud Bo for this because you know Bo is saying I just I have to know, I I have to know if I could have done this. You don't get to be the best quarterback in the CFL by not being an ambitious guy who pushes his own limits, right? And uh, of course, Bo wants to test out playing at the mm-hmm. very very highest level. Um, look, do I think the Vikings are a landing place when they have a ton of money already devoted to Kirk Cousins for the next couple of years? Probably not. So if Bo's going to you know. Look there, it's it's very much in a backup, possibly a third stringer role. But I think we're going to hear a lot about this over the next couple of months. I mean, you're saying five. Bo was saying sort of at the end of the season that it could be 10 to 12 um, Lux, and he, he's going to take them all. There's no rush for him to sign here in Calgary. He probably won't be able to sign realistically until April or May as it is. So I, I think that we've got to kind of buckle up and just get ready for a bit of a ride where people are reporting. I, I'm probably not going to report on every single one of the tryouts, but he's going to be everywhere, and he's he's – I, I think any NFL team would be stupid not to, at the very least, take a look at, at what this. Look, if, if Mark Sanchez is still playing quarterback in the <laughs> NFL, don't tell me the Bo Levi Mitchell can't uh, can't get a look. Yeah, don't tell me he's not one of the ninety best guys. Yeah. I mean, three guys per team. Yeah, you know, Bo keeps talking about legacy in Canada, and and he has made his legacy already. He's the winningest quarterback out there. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if he has played his last season for the Calgary Stampeders and moving on, you know, he goes out as a winner. He goes out as a Grey Cup MVP. He goes out as the MOP. He goes out as the All Star quarterback. Uh, bottom line is he's a 28-year-old quarterback. Yeah, he's got a beat-up body, and that's, I think, the NFL teams are going to look at that a little bit. He's talked about his shoulder injury. He's talked about his knee injury. You know, he comes in wearing a brace. I'm not sure NFL teams are going to say, oh, that's the quarterback we want. <laughs> um, and don't forget, there's a thing called the salary cap in the NFL as well. So, you know, he's not going to make a ton of money in the first couple of years, but oh. I, I I tell you what, I, I think if Bo gets the opportunity he's looking for, if he gets a legitimate shot to be number two, then yeah, he's going to take that opportunity. But is he going to get that opportunity. He can't make a ton of money. He has oh. to go in on an entry-level contract. Exactly. Uh, so it, mm-hmm. the, the salary will, it'll be in American dollars, which will be the difference. But it, it you know, if you look, if you ignore the, the dollars, mm-hmm. it won't be that different from what he's making. But is it minimum it's salary, 500 or something there? About 465. 465, so it's close to 500. Like yeah, but that's yeah. American. So. Um, and I mean, it, I, I don't know that realistically, you know, the Stampeders, which is the only CFL team he's going to play for, I'm 100% I convinced agree. of that. I, agree. Um, I don't know that they can match that when you converted into Canadian dollars, but um, I don't think it's a sure thing that, that Bo ends up down there. I think he'd, again, it's all about the opportunity being right, mm-hmm. and uh, 
there aren't that many opportunities that are going to be perfect out there for him. I, I think Bo would have his best shot if, you know, I don't know how you can prove this in a workout, but if he could go back to the form he had in his early years as a starter, where he was really a lot more of a game manager. I mean, he's, uh, you know, the guy is nicknamed Gunslinger and has it tattooed on his arm. You know when he became a star, he'd want to be the guy who's going downfield mm-hmm. all the time. But he, he needs to go back to his early days when he was a check down guy and just try to be a game manager if he's going to have a shot down there. So so the interesting thing, if we all agree, if Bo gets the opportunity, he's going to sign in the NFL. But if he doesn't get that opportunity, he's right back here in Calgary. So the biggest question is, the hottest commodity on the free agent market from a quarterback perspective is, is Mike Riley. Where does Mike Riley end up? I mean, he ends up with the BC Lions. You think so? (laughs) I don't think think there's a reasonable argument to be made that he's going to end up anywhere else. Well, I, I guess I understand why Edmonton thinks he's going to end up back there because of Jason Moss. That's that's their spin on it. Is, is Jason Moss is a, is a pro? <laughs> <laughs> like that's how they're spinning it is all I'm saying, Danny. I, I you know, know he's got a relationship with uh, with Chris Jones in Saskatchewan. They're going to throw a ton of yeah. money at him. You know, obviously there's a relationship with Ed Hervey. There's a relationship, you know, with the Edmonton Eskimos because like Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, he's been, you know, in that city for, for a long and time. And I buy that. I, I should have said when I dismissed right. the idea that he was going anywhere. Yes. I meant anywhere else. I should have said Okay, that. I mean, fair enough. Of course, enough. staying at home, staying in the system, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Edmonton is home for him now. He's been there for a couple of years. Uh, of course, that's going to be appealing. I just, uh, I mean, look, we, we've all talked off air many times, and uh, I, I think it's the perfect situation for him. I think his family's from Washington. Right. I think they're going to be able to toss him a bunch of money. Um, they're going to have a new head coach who sure sounds like he's going to be a very good defensive coach. So <laughs> having a guy who can move the football on the other side is going to be important. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally just, it seems like a, a fait accompli or whatever that uh, that Mike Riley ends Okay, up. So yeah. and when we're talking, Coach, it's going to be Devon Claybrooks. Uh, if it hasn't already been announced by the right. time you're downloading this podcast, it's going to be my only concern with uh, all things BC Lion right now is the ownership situation. You know, David Braley has gone, uh, for, you know, a couple of years ago was saying, I'm absolutely going to unload this team to, you know, just kind of waffling about it. And David Braley, <laughs> for all the good he's done in the CFL, has to move on. And there's solid offers on the table for this team, but is David Braley's asking price is absolutely ridiculous right now just you know indicating that he wants to stick around and David Braley sticking around in the CFL is not good because the guy has no idea how to market football this century but if you add a great coach you mm-hmm. add a great quarterback you add maybe some great defensive players not yeah. naming names isn't that team worth more money Danny probably <laughs> Um, I I think that we have in BC a little bit of a Toronto situation where I do think that the market is cratering a little bit. um, You got a great stadium. You've got a great stadium, but I mean, if you've worked there as as Mm -hmm. I have, like it's not full at all. No, that's true. I mean, you know, the the fan base is there. They're just they're they're not coming to games. And I I think it's possible that the fan base is. I mean, I don't think we need to get into. Vancouver real estate, but I think it's possible that the fan base has mm-hmm. moved out of the area where BC. That's exactly is. part of the problem. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think you have a very young, affluent sort of twenty-something and early thirty-something mm-hmm. neighborhood around them, and those aren't the people who are coming. I don't know why they're not coming, but the CFL doesn't seem to appeal to that sort of urban market. So, Fair enough. Um, I, I do think it's a problem, um, and I do think them putting together an, an awesome team um, would go a long way, but. Um, I don't. I think it is partially ownership. I think it is partially marketing. But at some point, it's probably representative of a bigger challenge for the CFL, which is to appeal to that millennial market, which they've so far failed to do. That's yeah. not just in BC. That's everywhere. Yeah, yeah and I, I want to bring this back just to the Stampeders and the business of the offseason mm-hmm. they had. Uh, okay, 
So, you know, we're all in agreement. Devon Claybrooks is going to be gone. He's going to be a head coach, and good for him. He deserves this opportunity. You wonder if he's going to take anyone with him, players or assistant coaches. So what do you do if you're a Dave Dickinson, if you're John Huffnagel? Who's going to be your new defensive coordinator? I don't know that you could fill that role in-house because the guy like Josh Bell might be a guy who could be a coordinator, but I think he needs a little more seasoning. The, the one name I keep hearing, you know, from people connected to the team is a former Stampeder player, and that's Greg Knox. Mm-hmm. And Greg Knox, of course, was at McMaster this year. There was some controversy with Greg Mo- Knox, you know, getting into it with an official and then getting fired by McMaster. But I do believe there's a very, very good relationship with Dave Dickinson. So uh, that's that's the one name I have heard. Uh, but whether or not Greg Knox uh, becomes the new D.C., uh, time will tell. And it does fit the profile, you know, in terms of keeping it in the Stampeder family, mm-hmm. extended Stampeder family granted yeah i mean i'm gonna be honest i i'm supposed to generally like work all of october and november and then take december <laughs> off so i've done no digging on this yesterday was really annoying because it, it's wednesday today and just about uh all the big news that could hit hit yesterday and i was like i'm supposed to be off <laughs> um but yeah i mean that, take that, a holiday day no. well that is i i like the name greg knox um I, I don't think that there's an internal candidate um i am of the opinion that you know we don't like using the word rebuilding um around calgary but I think that you're probably seeing a Stampeder team um, where Micah Johnson's not back, where definitely Jameer Thurman, um, quite possibly Alex Singleton. I mean, I think that the the core of, of, of this defense is likely not going to be here next year. So I do think that you want someone who has a soft touch with younger players uh, and, you know, who, who can bring guys in and uh, can sort of teach them the CFL game because it is going to be Americans yeah. who need to replace them there. And again, you know, we all agree that you know, Jameer Thurman is probably going to be gone for some kind of NFL opportunity. Mm-hmm. Alex Singleton is, is more interesting because, you know, Alex, because of the passport, has a great big bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you Makes know, more as, money because of that passport. Yeah, like I say, as you know, as a guy with a Canadian passport and as, as a damn good football player as well. And again, and Alex has been there and he's done the NFL merry-go-round, and you just get the feeling talking to Alex that he's not interested in going down there just so he could wear an NFL jersey and a ball hat. If a real opportunity came along, and would that real opportunity come along? So I think you know there's less of a risk of losing Singleton. I am gonna gonna repeat the sort of this magic sense. He is exploring his options. We, well, we, he'd like, be a fool I, not I, to. Is, um, I've yep. spoken with him about it. He he is going to be looking at NFL offers, and mm-hmm. I think there are going to be teams that are interested. Again, like you said, I think it'll be more. To start in a special teams capacity, and and does he? He obviously has a girlfriend around town. Uh, his family is is in Calgary. All he's already the time. said he's going to stay here all some all winter. Yeah, yeah. he's staying here all winter. Um, but he's, that means he's still going to go look at some NFL teams. Exactly. Yes. I mm-hmm. like. I, I personally, I have no idea whether any of these guys ultimately get the offers they want, other than Jameer Thurman, who I think we can right. assume NFL teams would be stupid not to. Go get him. But, uh, yeah, I do think age. they'll be on. I think Seante yeah. Evans is going to take more looks. I, I really do think there's a good chance that uh, that this defense looks entirely different than mm-hmm. it did this year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you think about, you know, the chance of, of guys moving on. And, you know, that brings me up to, to the next topic, which is, is free agency. Again, just absolutely ridiculous when you look around the league. I think, you know, taking off the, you know, the guys like, you know, Nick Lewis and Dan Fetterkyle, who are still listed, you know, for some reason, there, there was still something like, you know, 39 free agents. And that's more the rule than the exception uh, around the league. Is there anything that you can really do about, though? Because, you know, the, the two-year entry contracts followed by the one-year contracts are, are the norm. And for whatever reason, that seems to suit the purposes of management and the players. I, mean, I, I don't think it's good for the fans to have this kind of free agency year after year. But, you know, is, there, is, is anything going to happen that changes that model? No, 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, okay, next topic. No. You, you don't think the CBA <laughs> yeah. can change it? You know, because the yeah. CBA is going to be the biggest yeah, off-season to topic. Yeah. But yeah, and, and you don't is. think the CBA could change that? My impression is that they're like those things that we think are obvious that they need to do, like mm-hmm. just getting yeah. more money for rookies and, and yeah. increasing the salary. We think that those things are going to happen because we are out here in Calgary, where we have, you know. Close enough. The biggest rivals all have nice stadiums that they pull nice numbers in. Right. Ultimately, the CBA is as much to take care of Montreal, where there are ownership problems, Toronto, mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. a lot of instability, mm-hmm. Hamilton, which is a great market, but doesn't pull 20,000 people to every game by any means. Mm-hmm. BC, I, I, I think we're looking at the owners just trying to basically stay the course. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Danny, because I think it works for the players, the one-year the one where, one year contracts, because they do, if they're good enough to maybe get those NFL looks, you know, from that standpoint. And and let's be honest, guys, there's more options out there with the Alliance League of American Football. Uh, you know, that, that league, I think, is a real, real threat for the Canadian Football League. And I say that because I think their business model is perfect. You know, they're, they're developing this league so they can be purchased by a, bulk, a multi-billion dollar business in the NFL. And they want to be a true development league and they play American rules and I think that is eventually going to happen. So I think that's a huge threat for the Canadian Football League. Well, the XFL, I'm not so sure about. No, the, the XFL, I'm not, you know, it's like Vince McMahon screwed it up before. That That's a taint yeah. and it's a toxic brand. It's just going to get the, yeah. it's going to get laughed at if he tries to pursue it. And, I, and I'm not sure XFL 2.0 ever plays a game. The Alliance of American Football, yeah, as you say, it's an interesting model, but again, you know, I go back to the 1970s and the World Football League and all of these, you know, NFL Europe mm-hmm. was supposed to be a development league and, and, and a brand grower. And even as viable as that league was for, for a pretty good run, it was never really an existential threat to uh, to, to the CFL. Didn't have There's, the same people running it, didn't have a TV contract, you know, mm-hmm. there, there was there was lots of challenges for that league. I I, I think this league is, is totally different because I like the way they've, uh, they've positioned it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, yeah. I agree. They've, got, they've yeah. gone about it the right way. I think something that has to be in the uh, in, in, in the CBA is uh, just, you know, more provisions for long-term health care. I mean, yes. you know, we've had yes. the Jonathan Hefty story and, you know, players, like I say, you know, players coming up here, they're they're under no illusions. They're not going to think that they're, that they're going to get rich or no. they're gonna, all going to end up as NFL contracts. But, you know, I think you just want to have some kind of reasonable expectation that if you leave the game injured, that you could you, you could be made whole again, or as whole again as you could expect after subjecting your body to a life of football. Well said. I couldn't I couldn't have said it more. But I mean, my thing is, I've been told like all of us assume that when we look at the at the alliance down there in the states that that salary, you know, competitive salaries are going to be have to be part of the push that the CFL has because why else would people come out up here? But I was told that you know with the salary cap for coaches. That came from the teams. I was told that seven of nine, you know, on team presidents, I guess, on the, on, on the board of governors or whatever, voted for that. So we're in a state where, I mean, if seven of nine, maybe it wasn't the Stampeders, maybe I, mm-hmm. maybe every other team other than the Stampeders and Riders voted for it. But like, we're in a position where ownership is is saying cut salaries. They mm-hmm. they are not saying, hey, we're, no. we want to expand the amount of money that we. And no, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty clear. I think Marcel Desjardins of Ottawa is already on record saying, hey, the salary cap for the players isn't going up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, he thinks it's going to be almost flat, and if that's the case, you know it's it's going to be interesting. Are we even going to see football in the spring? Uh, you know, June, or, or, or could we see a potential work stoppage, Danny? No, it's not going to be a work stoppage. I don't you, think you, there'll you're, be. A, you're bold to make that uh, statement. Yeah. You think so? I I would have said the same thing about the NLL. They missed a couple of well, they didn't miss any games, but they missed a couple of weeks. And I mean, with the NLL, they all have full time jobs anyways, right. and they're kind of flying in and out. I do think that for any player who's relying on their salary, they don't make enough 
to have a work stoppage. I mean, they need those checks coming in. So I think it's ultimately the ownership has you know has the upper hand here, and I, I do I don't think we see a work stoppage, but I do think that this drags into into mid April, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that's gonna all of us are gonna start freaking out, and it's gonna make John Huffnagel's job really hard when he has to sign a bunch <laughs> of players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, that coaching cap is gonna be a story in itself. I don't know how big an effect it's gonna have on the Stampeders guys, just because you know we see those offices down there. It's not like they have a, a huge staff; they have you know a, a small staff. That are very good at their but jobs. Huff makes but, a lot of money, and Dave yeah. Dickinson makes a lot of money. And this is why yeah. it bothers me. Ultimately, like I don't think it's about the staff. I think it's about the fact that we've got a guy like Mark Killam, who's been here for a long time, and mm-hmm. can get a raise year after year after year. Pete Costanza. Pete Costanza, yeah. same thing. And, and the stamps can sort of incentivize, hey, stick with us. We're going to develop the system. You're going to be one of our guys. And at some point, I was told those guys might become unaffordable just because they've been around getting completely reasonable raises. And they're therefore arguably the most, you know, I, and I don't know this, but mm-hmm. like they could be the most expensive special teams coordinator in the entire league. And you can't have that because, you know, this and that. So I, I hate this coach's salary cap, I think. Frankly, I think if the riders want to spend more money on scouting, well, they haven't won a great cup in a while. So I don't think it's that effective. But So what's the biggest offseason issue in the Canadian Football League, in your guys' opinion? So, Because, um, again, we can look at salary cap, we can look at free agency, but I still think, you know, hey, TV ratings were down for the Grey Cup game. Maybe that's because the Stampeders were there again. I, I think, you yeah, know, the season ratings were attend- okay. Yeah, attendance was down across the board, mm-hmm. you know, at, at uh, CFL parks. We know it's an older demographic, you know, going to. Is that a bigger issue? that the, the league has in, in general right now? Yeah, I don't think that gets fixed in the offseason no. by any means. But, I mean, I saw it around Calgary this year. I take the LRT to, as you guys know, mm-hmm. um, and it used to be fun. You got off at Banff Trail Station, and they had these big cutouts of the players. You know, fans could take selfies. Those are gone anymore. I don't see the Stampeders around this city the way that I used to. Right. I see maybe the, the billboards that are saying, hey, buy season tickets here or whatever. Right. But I just I don't see them in, in places where, and I'm 34. I'm on, I'm on the tail end of that you know, young demographic, yeah, let's be clear. Enough. But the places where I am out, out and about in the city, the Stampeders, not the players, not anything like that. It's not their fault. But as an organization, I do not see them, and I don't know why. I don't know why the Calgary Sports and Entertainment has decided that that's the tactic they're taking. Yeah, the the ongoing push, I think, to uh, to, to change the demographics of the league. And Randy Ambrosi talked about that in his, in his State of the League address. You know, he talked about that. You know, even though if, if maybe we're not seeing it, it is there. You know, sort of growing digital engagement. Uh, you know, he's talked about growth in some of the younger demographics. So yeah, the continued evolution of marketing this game to younger fans. That's going to be part of it. But uh, the CBA, what are you what are you laughing at? I, I was just thinking one more thing because, you know, I, I, I'm at the tail end of my career and I'm just wondering, yeah. will I see a new football stadium in Calgary before I no. retire? No. <laughs> Thank you for that. So no. you and I, it's like, well, Dan, Daniel be, <laughs> Daniel still be covering the team in his wheelchair yeah. and you and I, they can just put our urns. I'm not, in, in I'm not seeing a new football stadium game. in my career. I'm <laughs> 31 years left, minimum. Okay, so... Uh, New stadium off our off-season priority list. Uh, yeah, to That's me, guys, why I was laughing because yeah, I knew the answer. I think it, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be the CBA because you know I think the CBA is going to really dictate uh, you know, a lot story. of business. The way that this league is going to do business. Well, because everything else stems out of the CBA, right? Yeah. I mean, does Mike Riley sign in BC? Well, that probably doesn't happen until the CBA, right? right. I mean, right. Um, so all those things. So it, it is undeniably, Dave, you're right. It's 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 the biggest story, and it's it's not yeah. even really close because. It, it defines the next what, you don't five even years. Get the bonus league. checks, you know, the, the signing bonuses until that CBA signing. Yeah, there, and yeah. it's part of why I think all of us—I don't want to say us in this room—but there are a lot of us in media who are, you know, 
everything Randy Ambrosi does is great. And then you actually look at it from a player's perspective. And is it great? Or is he just kind of giving mm-hmm. us foot massages and telling us well, that he loves it? Remember, it's not all – Randy Ambrosi works for the owners. Yeah. So he's only able to accomplish mm-hmm. what the owners allow him to do. Guys, this has been uh, a great discussion. Uh, as Jock was saying off the top, uh, we're uh, hey, we're not going completely dark. Uh, we're going to be back either as the you know, the Calgary Stampeders podcast when there's Stampeder news to talk about, uh, uh, other sports items as the Sports on 770 podcast. So we will be a part of your offseason, but uh, it's been a real pleasure uh, doing these podcasts, uh, just another way to reach Stampeder fans uh, mm-hmm. this season. So look forward to keeping you posted uh, all offseason. Danny Austin, thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you like the show, uh, you send a message to John Voss, our boss. If you don't like the show, don't listen to it, for don't God's sake. <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> But if you do like what you're hearing, take some time out to rate us. Uh, you know, tell, uh, tell a friend to uh, download the podcast as well. Uh, send us ideas for future podcasts, uh, Apple Podcast, Google Play, tune in. Thanks again for joining us this season on the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. <laughs>